You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our hope every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken uh, by people who get it, Um, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places and understand the value of what God's doing in the small-town church. I am your host, Joe Epley, and this week I'm excited to have a conversation. It is uh, actually quite rare that we get to interview uh, not just a a minister, but a ministry couple. And uh, so we're going to be talking to Chuck and Chris Griffin, who are pastoring in Colorado, and I'm just excited to dive into their story. Uh, They've walked in their ministry journey through things uh, like revitalizing churches and uh, walking through some heavy times where maybe churches, you know, church is hard. I mean, we've all been there, but uh, but I'm pumped to just let their experiences inform us and encourage and challenge us as we continue to lead uh, where God has us planted. So the first thing I want to say is, Pastor Chuck and Chris, how are you guys doing? Doing great. We're doing great. Thank you, Joe, for having us on this today. We really appreciate uh, the invite. Yeah, and we appreciate the chance to hear your story. You know, I, I, uh, I've mentioned this to as many people who listen, but it's just been such a, a fun journey for me to uh, be able to yeah, peel back the layers of what is the rural church and, and who's there and who and, and what have we learned? Because, I mean, there's such good information and, and your story is no different. And so uh, as we do with all of our guests, I just kind of want to start the conversation by inviting you to share a little bit of your story. You know, where have you guys been? What have you done? What are you doing now? And uh, again, feel free to answer, um, you know, Chris, if you want to go or, or, or Chuck, I mean, you know, it's open ended, but tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah, I'll get us started on our uh, our connection to rural ministry. I grew up in a small town in Northeast Colorado, about 350 people. So our church was tiny, but it had great significance and great impact, not just on my life. Um, I saw God use that church to raise up a lot of ministry leaders just in the generation when I was there. And I know there Mm -hmm. were others in other generations. I think your podcast is so significant because rural ministry matters to the people who live in small towns. They're just as significant as people who live anywhere else. And God uses rural ministry powerfully. After growing up in Fleming, we met in Cortez, Colorado, which is another small city, a rural ag and tourism setting. And our next church was in Buckeye, Arizona, definitely a rodeo cowboy ag kind of area. With a name like uh, Buckeye. I don't know what it, I, whether I, I know. have, you know. Yeah. 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 And then um, from there, we we moved to Riverton, Wyoming, another rural area, kind of at the heart of Wyoming. And then now we're ministering in Fort Morgan, Colorado, which is a Northeast Colorado, right off of I-76. If anybody watches HGTV, Hometown Makeover, you know where Fort Morgan is. There you go. So God has taken us to several places in our ministry that have been rural, and it's it's exciting to watch what he will do in the hearts of people in in these communities. And I grew up in California, and I grew up in a, actually the lettuce capital of the world in Salinas, California. And I didn't know there was a lettuce capital of the world. This is me learning things. Yeah, I learned all new. But um, 
my parents were pastors and of an independent church um, with an Assembly of God background. It was um, close to the city and close to the coast, but my parents pastored a, a very small church for years and years. And so got the best of best of both there, but we've always have had a heart for rural ministry. But also uh, we've come to realize that the need is great wherever you go. And if you let God use you and you get out of the way in your own agendas, then we'll see some things take place in, in your ministry. Yeah, for sure. And tell us a little bit about where you're at now, Fort Morgan. What's the, what's the church in the town like? So we're in Fort Morgan, Colorado, which is right off of 76. It's about an hour from downtown Denver. We're in an agricultural area. There's some some large uh, companies here in the area. Um, there's a lot of, uh, well, Loprino Foods is here and Cargill Meatpacking and GW is here. And so there's sure. a lot of, there's a lot of sure. ag, sugar beets. There's a lot of ag, uh, agricultural here in the area. And uh, the church, we were just sharing this with the other day with somebody that we were I had a chance to visit with that the church just celebrated its 100th year anniversary last summer. And the church has a very rich history in the community. It started in 1922. The church was founded by the grandsons of William Booth. Oh, yes. Salvation Army fame. Yes. Founder of Salvation Army. And they were here for two years and then it became an Assembly God church um, in 1924. And um, they've had they've had a great, great rich history here. And um, we have a couple people in our church now. We have one I'm particularly thinking of that has been in the church for fifty, a uh, little over fifty years. She has seen it all, <laughs> and she's very faithful um, to coming, uh, coming to services and being a part of it. So it's a real good atmosphere and a real good, real good um, um, uh, attitude to work towards yeah. towards family. God's family, sense of family yeah. and community. Yeah. I love that. And if I understand right, you guys actually have the painted HGTV water tower or whatever it is, grain silo, yeah, like green on bin. your property, mm-hmm. right? That's Yeah, right. that's right. right. Yeah, yeah that's what right. a great, I mean, well, yeah, what a cool like little tie to the community. That's kind of fun. Well, let's dive into a little bit of your ministry experience. Um, a lot of your ministry has involved revitalization. Um, obviously, you've been in multiple church contexts and walking into those situations, you know, the, you become aware of like, hey, how do, you know, how do we take something that is here and might be struggling? And nurse it back to health. And so what are maybe one or two of the best principles you've seen as you approach those churches? Well, I think one of the things for, uh, we were talking about this the other day here is, uh, particularly for this church, is we have worked really hard at establishing a family atmosphere, an excitement about getting to church. We've seen here in the last month or so where people are starting to show up to church a half hour before uh, coming into listening listening to worship team practice and having coffee and there's always a lot of food that's being served here on a regular <laughs> I mean, basis. Yeah. That's a key. yeah, let's just it's write down the secret. Yeah, it's, it's really yeah, just feed lots people. Of the, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, whoever's listening, I'll tell you, we have one guy that does uh, something pretty special every three, three months. Mo- every three months when it's called Bacon Sunday. Oh my and gosh! <laughs> he brings in about eighteen different types of bacon samples. And it is, um, we don't really advertise it, but people have actually marked it down in their calendar. And we always seem to have a really good attendance that day. So Gosh, I have can... never had more of a reason to travel to Colorado. Like, I just am like, I'm just like, that's it. Like, you sold me. Yeah. Like, this is, this is yeah. my new home church. Yeah. Bacon He's, Sunday. Gosh. Bacon Sunday. Now, that's not the part of the revitalization process, but I'll tell you what. Right. It has sure been a side benefit that we didn't expect. So. Um, we've, we've, uh, just have established some excitement and making sure that people are 
um, excited about being here, not dreading coming to church, but rather wanting to be here, wanting to see their church family. For some people in this area, there's uh, we're finding out here recently that there's a lot of people that have been uh, transferred in here for work. We've actually got some people that have came in from out of the country uh, because of the 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 very difficult need for teachers in our school in, oh, in our sure. school district. And so there's one family that has come that has started working at the high school and is getting involved with the church, but they literally have no family here. I mean, mm-hmm. no one. So that's where the, chaps, the church steps in, right? And, and becomes their, their family and they're mm-hmm. starting to get more plugged in. And so if you don't create that kind of an atmosphere, they're not going to come back. Um, I think people want to feel like that they're a part of something, that they belong, that they're they're going to be okay. They're in a refuge for a couple hours before they go back out into their their crazy work week, you know. And and so I think that's been a, a part of it. Finding out what works, uh, Joe. I'll have to say, and and you can redirect me on this, but I think sometimes pastors come in and kind of because uh, we've been guilty of doing that as well, and just starting like just wiping the whole s- slate clear sure. of previous things that were already working. And I'm not sure that's very healthy. I think you need to give mm. honor where honor is due. And it doesn't mean you do everything exactly the same, but you need to find out what's worked in the past and capitalize on that or work on that and and bring honor uh, to some of those things. And I've seen that really, especially here, um, where we're not, we're not replicating what used to be done 15 years ago. I don't believe that. Uh, but there are some things that um, have been very important to some of the people here that we've given some some honor to, and they will make an effort to be here for it because that was something that was significant to them at that time. So establishing that, finding out uh, what's been working, capitalizing on reaching out to the community, obviously, and and I don't think we need to do 15 or 20 different outreaches. I think we need to find sure. what works, what works. And so in the last couple of years, we um, have capitalized actually and have found a lot of favor with the organizers of two big events here in town. Um, one is a free concert that's put on in the summer. And then another one is a very large, large car show. It's one of the biggest in Colorado. They do it right here in Fort Morgan. And wow. what we do as a we church, we go and we hand out, we set up shop and we hand out free water. Because it's so hot here in the summers, and we hand out free water, and we're not hmm. we're not getting we're not getting crazy with everything, but we are evangelizing and offering prayer. Somebody wants to talk about the church, and we've actually have seen some people return because of it. But all we're doing oh, wow. is handing out free water, ice cold water, and that has worked. And so you have to find what works in your community, and then and then capitalize on that. Yeah, I really love that. And honestly, there's a ton to learn from uh, from even you know what you just said. Like, man walking in saying let's make the relational groundwork let's let's not just wipe everything and find simple ways but yeah uh, chris anything you want to weigh in on yeah i just wanted to say one of the things that stuck out to us here in fort morgan was listening to the core Mm -hmm. and what their vision is Mm -hmm. for the church for example when we came here to fort morgan there were no children and no Hmm. youth attending the church. And the people said to us, we need kids. We need the life of children and the the generations in the church. And so helping them follow through on that vision and God has blessed that. And the people all get behind it because it's their, it's their heart that God has given them for this ministry. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Cause again, I think, Sometimes revitalization gets a bad rap because sometimes you get people who bulldoze their way into a church and they do, yeah. they just kind of, they overrun the people. They, they complain about the people. They try and move everything out of the way to, to set something up. 
And what I heard you guys just say over and over was like, no, grow with these people, hear right. their heart, redeem what's good, give it direction. Oh, right. I love that. That's really powerful right. stuff, guys. Joe, can I can I share something that my mm-hmm. mom told me? Because my parents, I grew up in, in church. And when I married this guy and became the pastor's wife, she sure. said, you, you kids need to remember that <laughs> when things are tough, y'all can leave, but huh. we're still here. Wow. She said, you guys as pastors are just a snapshot in the life of the church. And whatever happens with you, we need, we're going to have to carry it out when you're gone. And that has always given me perspective that it's not wow. about us. The, the life of the church is about the, the church, the people that are in the church. Yeah. I yeah. just real quick here. I, I kind of a little, I've heard it and probably have actually said it when I first started out, but I get a little concerned when pastors are, are starting in the church and they're like, you know, we need to clear everything out and, and start. there may be a need for some, maybe if there's people causing discord or, or harm in that way. But for the most part, if you've got a solid core they're the ones that have kept the doors of the church open. They're the it's ones true. that are shoveling snow and raking leaves and cleaning the toilets, mm-hmm. paying the bills and putting their finances in and contributing. Teaching so we Sunday have to be school. teaching Sunday school and doing all those things. And we have to be really careful. We need to honor that. And mm-hmm. I think when you honor that, God honors that in the bigger picture for us as for us, us as a church. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, let's dive into, you know, Chris, I know you mentioned that, uh, you know, there are some times of, of conflict or, or complex situations. And uh, when I was talking to you guys on the phone, you guys mentioned that one of your church contexts kind of involved uh, a lot, you know, in a, in a short amount of time. You had maybe a church split and multiple families left even after that for different reasons. And that is a hard season. And I and I don't doubt that some of our listeners might find themselves in similar hard places. And so maybe I mean, to the level you're comfortable, share with us just a little of that context and and really what sustained you? Because again, you had the option to cut and run. And from what I understand, you guys made sure you walked through that to its completion before moving on to a new context. So maybe chat with us about that a little bit. Well, it would have been in the middle of all that. And I, I won't go into all the gory details, but sure. um, but during that time, it would have been very easy. And we had plenty of opportunity to, to go ahead. There was actually two different time frames where we could have um, been able to have left and have gone into a different place. And it, we would have been able to sustain it financially as well and do the physical relocation of that. But we knew that when we had gone to this particular place that God had sent us there on purpose to help fill in the cracks in this foundation and it was it was extremely tough, but we had a very strong core of people in the church that surrounded us, especially the board. Mm-hmm. I speak very high, highly of that board. In fact, I have one of those board members who has actually become one of my very closest friends over the years. Um, still, I mean, I just talked to him about four days ago. He and I are still in contact um, as friends, and we often reflect on that time of what could we have done different? What could we have, you know, d- handled a little bit different? And I think part of part of what I've learned from that is making sure you have uh, people that you can trust to not necessarily fix it, but that you can visit with and pray. We had a very strong core, and they were we we took time off too. I mean, we didn't take long periods yeah, of time sure. off, but we took a week off here and a week off there in the middle of that, which helped us to reflect and kind of refocus on what was doing, but we were determined not to go when it was bad. I think it's, it's mm-hmm. easy to do 
but we didn't. And we actually stayed a couple more years longer after that and rebuilt everything. We left on good terms. The church was strong financially. Um, there was some property property uh, details that had gotten um, paid off, and we left it in good hands. And then we felt like we were able to move on to the next step. But we wanted to do that in the right time with the right with the right heart. Sure. We wanted to do that with the right heart. You know, we had young kids at the time, and our a daughter, she was a preteen, I think, and um, she was being, she, it was, it severely affected her in a lot of ways. And so you have to take those things into to consideration. So you have to get your family on board too, but you have to make sure it's all in the right time. And sure. uh, I remember when we were talking about possible position going into and, get, and leaving there, my, <laughs> I think when it was official, my daughter was what, the first one packing because she was hmm. she was ready to go, yeah, you know, and it and it helped her in a lot of areas, but yeah. And our son was about eight at the time, and he cried and cried when he told when we told him that we were leaving, and he said, "Well, we have Netflix in the next place that we go." <laughs> the biggest concern. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh well, he was concerned about being able to buy Legos, and I think. Um, I think as a pastor's wife, you know, women are very relationship driven and it's challenging when, when relationships are hard in the church, because your heart is, is so connected with the church family. But I think for me, it drove me deeper in my relationship with God because he was the one that was constant and that sustained us through through all of that. And so, you know, it, it puts things back into proper perspective when you go through challenges. Yeah, well, I think of that passage from the Old Testament with King David, where uh, it says that he ended up strengthening himself in the Lord. You know, he yes. was facing down that disaster and the problems, and he said, no, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the source. I mean, those are all great. Yeah, finding a few core people, leaving yourself room to process, talking to your family, strengthening yourself in God, and and valuing the church long term more than just getting out short term. Those are all powerful truths. So thank you for sharing and for your honesty. Yeah, yeah. And Joe, real quick on that. Sorry, but real quick is that you know if you have a whatever amount of people you have and three or four people are causing those issues, it's easy to focus on those three or four people, but mm-hmm. the rest of the congregation is supportive of whatever needs to happen next. And it's easy. We were finding ourselves putting a blanket judgment on everybody, or you know, and those people ended up suffering for the bad behavior of three or four or five people. And that's what we learned from that is not everybody else feels this way. This is a small percentage of what was going on. There were so many extenuating circumstances in this particular situation that actually had nothing to do with us. But it was some pre-existing situations, and we we suffered the fallout from that. But we were we learned from that that you can't make everybody else suffer for the mistake of three or four people. So, man, that's good stuff. Well, let's shift gears a little bit to something that is a personal subject of interest to me um, because I was just so I just so enjoyed your perspective on it when we talked on the phone. In your wording, Chuck, you you mentioned that you guys as a couple have both kind of operated with two independent calls. And obviously we qualify that like you guys are married and you serve together in ministry. Like none of that changes. But I I so admired that language where where you said like, hey, we we both let ourselves kind of be who Jesus has called us to be. And I think that's a message that can help a lot of people. So so maybe how have you supported each other? And how have you helped one another flourish? Because I think that I mean I have been front row seat to some rough ministry moments where 
you know, one spouse really was always put on the back burner and it causes those, those later in life problems, you know? And so how have you guys helped one another flourish and, 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 you know, thrive, you know? Sure. Go ahead. I think um, there has to be some respect, some mutual respect, and you have to cultivate that in each other as well. But to recognize that our gifts and our callings are different, but they complement each other. Mm. That his strengths of preaching and administration complement my strengths of worship and teaching. And so they they work together. We don't have to compete with each other and nobody has to steal the show. We, sure. we work together to accomplish the, the work of the kingdom um, and just cheering each other on, getting on each other's team and helping each other. You know, we talk about we get in the car on Sunday morning and uh, on the way home and say, okay, you've got, you've got a one minute window to give me constructive criticism. I can handle <laughs> it right now for one minute. And to know that that's, that that's coming from a place of love and of building each other up and then letting it go and moving on and firming all the good things because God is doing so many good things and we can't capitalize on tension between each other and and differences. We can't capitalize on those um, just that we need to complete instead of compete. Yeah, mm. that's good. And food has a lot to do with it. <laughs> and so we are leaving from church to go home and we're both very hungry. And therefore, we're very open and honest about how we feel because we're going to go and be happy with food. So I want to eat lunch and I want to be happy when I'm eating lunch because we're all hungry. And I know that that's, it's funny, but there's some truth to that. And yeah. because you, if you talk to me after I've had a big lunch and I need to lay down and take a nap, like most people do on Sundays. Sure. And then you want to say, Hey, I want to talk to you about the service. I'm like, no, not now. <laughs> we're not doing that. We're not doing that. You had your chance. There was the window. And and so I think respecting what she has to say or respecting what I have to say, but you have to find the right time. I say all that in a joking way, but I say that in a way where you have to find out what time works and say, hey, let's let's talk about where we're at on a few things. What can we do different? It would be sure. it would be ridiculous for me to say you I need to listen to not just her, but I need to surround with myself with people that, first of all, that have spoken into my my life. I'm not going to entertain a whole lot if they haven't invested anything into me, if they haven't prayed for me, sure. they haven't sure. supported me, they haven't spent time with me. But if they've done those things, right, then I'm like, yeah, tell, you know, tell me in a positive way, be my friend. And is there something I'm doing that could potentially I can do better? Of course. Yeah. But we want to hear those, but it's all in the in in timing. You know, when we first got married, we both recognized um, that we all both had a call on mm -hmm. our life. And I remember specifically before we got married that I wasn't going to come in and say, you've got to take a second or third row seat to what we're doing. She's she's always had opportunity over the years to be able to either preach or teach a class. She loves to teach. I don't like teaching as much as she does. Um, she doesn't like preaching as much as I do. So her strength is teaching. My strength is preaching. So if we're going to do a big series on a Wednesday night, she's going to teach it. I'll let her do it. You know, and the other joke is, is when it's if anybody has anything to do, I, I don't know how your listeners will feel about this, but if anything has to do with revelations or anything, talk to her. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Pick your battles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
No, that's really great, guys. And I, I just love hearing, uh, you know, my wife and I both uh, have wrestled, yeah, with who God has made us to be and wanted to be the wind beneath each other's wings. And this is so encouraging for me and, and hopefully for our yeah. listeners to hear as well of the idea of like, you can, uh, from a place of security, respect, mm-hmm. yes. you know, kind of, and and even getting really practical and saying, hey, let's talk about this in a constructive way and let's go eat something. You know what I'm saying? It's just very... Yeah. I can tell that this has just been a long and intentional commitment. Um, and so, yeah, that's super encouraging. Well, and we don't listen. I want to make it clear. We don't agree on everything. And sure, we'll, sure. we've had some, we've had some, I mean, surprise, pretty, you know, pretty not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we've had some pretty good knockdown drag outs on how we are approaching things or, I mean, we can keep it real and to say, Hey, it's, it's, you know, we've had some struggles even here recently about how we are approaching certain things or um, how we need to look at it. And she's, I'm more, you know, common sense, street sense, you know, and she's more, you know, the spiritual end of it and gives everything, everybody the benefit of a doubt. So you have to find those strengths and come together to a conclusion and say, let's, let's do this, you know, and, and let's, let's try it that way. But I think that that can be a real, a real struggle for, for things. I think if we, I, I think if we just accept the fact for both of us that we both have giftings, talents and calls instead of competing with each other we can be fans of each other mm. and cheer each other on and say hey let's and, and always better ourselves i you know actually to be honest the church loves it when she speaks because she's a <laughs> much much better speaker than i am and i i recognize that i'm not like no you can never preach or teach because they like you better well if they like you better that's great i'm fine with that just Feed me. I don't care. Just give me food. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and again, it's I love that encouragement. That's great to hear. Again, let's just keep walking through your journey here. So I enjoyed talking to you about when you moved to Fort Morgan, uh, because you mentioned that there was kind of these perspective shifts. I know you mentioned to me, you said, well, we've been trying certain things or, you know, it feels like every church has fallen under some certain general principles. Uh, and then Fort Morgan kind of flipped your world a little bit on, on how you did ministry and, um, and, and and I guess how how much has this perspective shift really been important for for this season of ministry? And so maybe highlight a few of those for us. You know, how, how has the Lord been working on your heart as you took this new venture? You know, so back in January of this year, I started making a small little uh, journal of some things, and and this is not real deep or real profound, but it wasn't my world because I normally don't journal on stuff, but I titled it items working in Fort Morgan so far. Hmm. And I won't give you all of them, but I'll give you a couple of them. Sure. One of the top things is be joyful and talk joy and be joy. I know there's a time and a place. I know that. And I know that we're living in some very difficult times, but we've been doing this long enough to know that there has been difficult times for, for a long time. And when people are coming, this is just me. Okay. So this, I, sure. Yeah. I want to make sure that when people are coming, they're getting hammered all week long yeah. about different things, news items, family stuff. When people come to church, we have been working really hard that when they come in, that they leave saying to themselves, I'm glad I made the time for church today. And mm-hmm. part of that is establishing a line of a refuge and of a, of a joy. Be joyful. Listen, I may be not feeling well, um, I'm a, and it won't be appropriate to tell in here, but I've got a pretty funny story about that. But there was a, about three months ago, I was very, very, very ill, and I ended up in, in the hospital, and I thought I was having a heart attack. And um, I had, uh, I, anyway, I had some esophagitis stuff and some ulcer stuff and, and some stomach issues and doing much better, but I didn't feel well those couple Sundays. 
but I pushed through because I can tell you at least half, half of people that are around you sometimes, they may not be feeling well, not necessarily physically, sure. but spiritually and mentally, you know, their family. So um, I'm probably having a hard time explaining that, but I think that when people get to church and they're around leadership, keep it positive, you know, keep it, keep it upbeat, keep it joyful. And then um, one of the other things is uh, creating an environment or a, an attitude or actually a, pers- a perspective of people that may not ever get asked to do anything. Find a place for them. Hmm. Find a place for them to be involved. If they take ownership of something in the church, it could be very minor. It could be very major. They're going to they're gonna stick around. That's what we've seen so far working here hmm. is find something for them to do. I have to, I have to say I have to brag a little bit though it, nothing to do with us this was established a long time ago but our this particular church has a very strong work ethic our hmm. leadership our board the church itself I think some of it has to do with the culture of being in a rural area church sure. is not something just to do something is part of their life and we're seeing people that are driving and we have one family that's driving an hour and a half on Sundays to come to church oh wow and that's a compliment to God and to the church to say, hey, I want to be a part of something bigger. Um, this is my church family. And the other thing, too, I think is uh, it's just getting out of the way. We're, well, as we're doing, one of the items I wrote down is don't make it about yourself. Hmm. Get your name off of stuff. You look at our pictures and some of the things on Facebook about what we're doing. And it's m- almost 99% of the, peop- the people it's themselves that... Hmm are out here. And, and I think if you encourage a little bit with, you know, you got to have some reality and you got to have some faith and stepping out in those two areas and asking God, what's next, what's the next, what's the next thing for us as as a church. And um, some of the things that I think has been ingrained in us over the years has changed significantly. I I know it's important to, I I, I understand the principle of it. Uh, You do need to talk about contributions and ties and offerings and you need to educate people on that. But we, very rare. We pick up ties and offerings. We present a need. We present local needs. We have a thing called a change jar where we collect loose change every week. And I think the last, uh, this, this year, I think it's close to probably 16 grand uh, in loose change that has people have brought in to help local ministries. Um, you keep the focus off yourself and find out what the local need is. And we don't address, address, a whole, spend a whole lot of time addressing ties and offerings. Because right. I, I feel like the culture here in this area is they, it's something like that they need, they already know that, that that's a part of their lifestyle. Sure. I I think for this season of ministry, we've just really been working on staying out of God's way. Hmm. I think when you're when you're young and enthusiastic and starting out in ministry, you're gonna go take the world by storm and you're gonna develop a mega church, even if you're out in the boonies and you're yeah, yeah, sure. gonna make a ministry and make a name for yourself. And we're old now. And so we just, we're like, God, you do what you're going to do. We're going to be faithful with the things that you've Mm -hmm. put in our heart to do. And we're just going to sit back and watch what you do. And then you don't feel like you have to make anything happen. You just stay obedient to what God's put in your heart to do and keep walking forward and then watch. Yeah. Watch what he will do. It's just been amazing. He, the other thing too is, is we got to be, for me, uh, humor is a big, big, big part of my life. I mean, you, mm. if you can make people laugh, then they relax a little bit. Yeah, it kind of goes along with joy, yeah. It goes along with joy. Mm-hmm. Make people laugh, you know, um, tell a funny story. Tell on yourself. Sure. 
you be the you be the joke <laughs> you be the you be the one that's being ridiculous on and people can relate to that too so that's helped a lot so i think some yeah. people come back just to see what he's going to say this week <laughs> yeah both positive <laughs> and negative all mixed up <laughs> right. in that statement you right know? So, right <laughs> yeah, um, that's right <laughs> no those are those are truly wise words uh i'm going to use your words against you so since you are old now by your own admission <laughs> correct uh, i love asking this question uh because first first question how long have you guys been in ministry in pastoral ministry I started, I'm 55. I started when I was right at 20. Yeah, so that's 35 years. 35 years. Dang. And Chris has probably been in it longer because yeah. she started I've playing. Been sitting on the piano bench since I was 16. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so we're looking at some awesome experience. So this last question uh, is just one of my favorites uh, to ask anybody who's who's made it because, uh, uh, so I'm 31, been in ministry about, uh, I don't know, 10 to 12 years, depending on how you measure it. But uh but a lot of my friends aren't anymore, and uh, and I have a feeling mm-hmm. that, that that kind of trend just keeps uh, reflecting. And so I like to ask people this question. Um, after so many years of ministry, what has helped each of you sustain your relationship with the Lord? How, do, how have you stayed in the game and stayed connected to Jesus? And so I'd love for each of you just to weigh in on that. I, I think that ministry is like anything else. I had a career in public education as well alongside of this, and I think in any field, there's an element of, there comes a time where you realize you're disillusioned. Mm. You thought things were going to be a certain way and they haven't worked out that way. And in fact, they've gotten hard and times like that, you have a choice to go deeper or to bail. And Mm. I think, I think for us, we've chosen to go deeper and I, I, it'd be cool to say there's a magic formula, but Honestly, it's it's going deeper with God and mm. and strengthening your relationship with him and knowing that he's the only one that's going to complete the whole journey with you. And he's mm. the only one that's going to keep you and and anchoring back for me, anchoring back to the call, mm. knowing that God spoke a word into my life and called me into ministry whether it was ministry as a teacher in public school, whether it was ministry as a pastor's wife, those were calls on my life from God. And, and he was serious and he knew what he was doing and he knew what he was getting himself into when he picked me. Sure. So sure. He's the one that sustains me. And, and at this season of my life, learning that I don't have to be the solution to everybody's issues everybody's crisis. I'm not their solution. God is their solution. And so I, it's not all on me. It's on mm. him. And I'm just the, the vessel, the vehicle. Sure. Chuck, what about you, man? I think time, time management has been an essential part for us. We've um, it's always a struggle of uh, time management and making sure that we take our breaks, take our days off and take our little breaks here and there. And ki- our kids are pretty evolved with the, the church and um, they're a great help. We've been very blessed for that. And that keeps us going as well as knowing that they're involved and they're a lot younger than obviously than we are. But they're experiencing some things that they haven't experienced in ministry before that they're getting to see some, some end results of being faithful over the years. And then also just making sure, like I said, like the time management, making sure 
that you take time for yourselves, for your family, for your your spouse and scheduling those. I hate to use that word schedule, but you have to schedule those times in because right. I mean, scheduling is out. just a fancy way to say intentionality, right? You're, you're, you're making right. the choice, you know? Well, it is. And if you don't, you get burned out too fast. And we've been on that yeah. other end where it's like, man, it's one more thing, one more thing. And, you know, we were in at, we're at that we're at that point right now, the grandparent age now. So we have, sure. we have grandkids, which changes, you know, um, something that we may have not so easily said, yeah, we'll change our schedule for. We do now for our grandkids because it's important to us. But I think also just seeing, I think I did so well without breaking down. We're good. <laughs> I, when you are working with somebody over the years or over the months, and you kind of glance around and see them in service, worshiping God, and their hearts are starting to change. It's like, okay. And the joke for our I family keep is, at it, right? Yeah, like I can keep the, doing this. <laughs> uh, we get in the car and we're like, okay, one more week, and that's it. Ah, yeah, we'll just do this one more Sunday, right? One more Sunday, and we've been saying that. I've been saying that for thirty-five years. <laughs> Man, that's but when you see stuff. when you see someone's life change right before your eyes. You're like, man, God, you're giving me a front row seat. Mm. seeing someone that was so hard and so angry and so bitter mm-hmm. and now they've got their arms straight up in the air yeah worshiping god and volunteering to do things people that have been written off by so many people and you give them a chance that's, that's what keeps good. us going yeah yeah no that's a that's powerful stuff guys thank you and and, and i guess as we wrap up here i just want to say uh one thank you for your honesty um i feel like you guys both let us have a little insight into your soul and uh, and thank you so much, I guess, just for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Joe, for what you're what you're doing to encourage rural pastors because it it is significant. There are there are a lot more little tiny churches out there than there are mega churches, it's true. and it's, it's where the rubber meets the road because yeah. you can't you can't hide in a little tiny church. Everybody yeah, knows fair. you, and there's there's accountability, but there's a lot of love too. Yeah, it's fair. And thank you, yep. Chuck. I appreciate yep. it. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, hey, from all of us at Rural Advancement, we just want to say once again, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Again, it is our heart. It is our goal. It is our passion uh, to have content that is not just directed at you, but is really spoken by people who get it. I just want to encourage you uh, in the most rural of fashions. Um, you know, I can tell you that this podcast is on Apple Podcast or Spotify or on ruraladvancement.com. But truth be told, uh, as often rural things do, it's just one person looking at another person and saying, hey, you want to clue into this conversation, gain a little wisdom, and I hope you spread the word. Once again, I have been your host, Joe Epley. They have been Pastors Chuck and Chris Griffin, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.